Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Well, welcome back to the Spiro Avenue Show with Justin Spiro. The painting of Jalen Watts Jackson is quite large. It is on the wall. Every Michigan fan from here to Timbuktu has made fun of me for it, which is exactly what you should do when your rival's biggest jackass fan hangs up a giant mural in his house of the worst moment of the last 10 years in your program. So I got my shot in. They got their shot in. I'm putting it behind me. Hopefully you can put it behind you. I had a hell of a time, but the party's over. I have no more cocktail tables to set up, no more linens to clean, no more dishes to wash. It's time to get into the nitty-gritty and what we actually do here, which is talk sports on camera. This is the coolest thing ever that we do here. I'm going to get to a great show with the big things on the horizon in a second. But first, this thing only runs because we have the support of so many of you watching and even some people that slip me some money in my pocket at uh, the beginning of every show. And that's where we're going to start. This is our new sponsor, a man we love, a brilliant man. His name is Wade Fink. And if you recognize that Fink name, it's because it is, in fact, a household name in Detroit. My buddy Wade Fink, brilliant criminal mind out of the office in Birmingham, Michigan, is a legacy attorney in Metro Detroit. And his father was Neil H. Fink. Look it up. Neil H. Fink, arguably the greatest trial lawyer of the past 50 years in Metro Detroit. Fact check me. It's true. He represented every single mobster that Scott Bernstein was talking about on this show a couple weeks ago. He's also the son of Kimberly Stout, a highly successful attorney herself in the metro Detroit area. And it's not just the parents because everyone says everything I have is because of my parents. Wade's actually a brilliant man in his own right. Check his record. He's had myriad not guilty verdicts in his criminal defense work. He has the amount of people that this guy has gotten released from prison. I think we should actually look into Wade, to be honest. He's that brilliant of a guy. I got to say, he has an impressive record. He's a great guy. I've known him for a long time. Highly recommend you check him out. You can email him. It's Wade, W-A-D-E, at WadeFink, F-I-N-K, law.com, Wade at WadeFinkLaw.com. Go to his website, WadeFinkLaw.com as well. He's the man. And look, you know, I, I hope you don't need him. I hope that you never do anything wrong that you would need to call Wade. But if you do feel the need, the urge to go on a crime rampage for any reason, you're going to want a good attorney. So check out Wade if you end up in that situation. Again, that's wadefinklaw.com. Thank you for the support. So that's Wade. That's my guy. That's the guy keeping my lights on here so I can look nice and pretty or nice and hideous, whatever your take may be. And uh, we appreciate him. But let's get into it right now because this is an interesting time. The NBA draft is nearly here. We are on the doorstep. Not everyone watches this live. If you are, it's two days away. If you're watching it the next day, it's tomorrow. It's here very soon, no matter when you're listening to this. And everyone in Metro Detroit, everyone that's come across my radar has been celebrating, rightfully so. It's the Cade Brigade, and everyone's throwing confetti in the air. And and we're, we're so happy that Cade is going to be in our arms, close to our bosom, so soon. And then Adrian Wojnarowski of all people, had to drop one of his infamous Woj bombs this week. Just about 24 hours ago, this comes out, and of course it upsets our pleasant little apple cart that we had going, Adrian Wojnarowski. Quote, 
Detroit's internal meetings are still revolving around three players for the number one pick on Thursday night. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, and Evan Mobley. Sources tell ESPN Detroit is not fully there yet on committing to Cunningham with their first overall choice. And everyone, of course, loses their mind. And let's bring in our best guy, Andy Isaac, one of my favorite guys on Twitter, was just at my house a few days ago, in fact, at that aforementioned event. World of Isaac, Andy Isaac from Up Rocks and Woodward Sports. Quote, I swear to God, if we don't pick Cade Cunningham, I'm going to flip the sausage house upside down. I could have given you a thousand reactionary tweets similar to that, although I think that was the only one that made a specific and targeted threat on the sausage house. But everyone lost their mind. Everyone's upset because everyone and their brother in this town that I'm aware of, that I've seen, that I know, that I've seen come across my social media feed that I've never met, wants Cade Cunningham. I've never seen anything like it. I, I mean, I'm old enough to remember the old three draft lead up, Darko and Carmelo. Those were split factions. I still call myself Darko State News as a red scarlet letter for being on the wrong side of that one. But there was, there was a Carmelo group. There was a Darko group. This is the case here. I don't know one. I'm not saying all it, it's a minority. I mean like literally zero. I'm sure they're out there somewhere, but I'm going to have to look under a rock. I don't know anybody that doesn't want Cade Cunningham. And like Isaac sort of suggested in his tweet, Detroit fans will in fact lose their minds if Cade Cunningham is not a piston come Thursday. And you know it's coming because it's the obvious pick, right? That's what we're all saying. You would have to be an idiot. You would have to be a total brain dead moron to pass on Cade Cunningham in the spot. Everybody knows that. It's an accepted science within this fan base. And everybody I know, and I, I really, I mean, a group of maniacs has not been this united since the citizens of Springfield cheered on the Springfield monorail with only one dissenter, Lisa Simpson. And that's one more dissenter than we have here. The one dissenter we may have in the entire state of Michigan may be the one that is the most important by far, Troy Weaver. And there's plenty of reasons to think Troy Weaver will surprise us and that we should withhold condemnation if he does surprise us. Don't burn him. Don't flip over the sausage house at LCA. Because he has a short but sweet track record of making us all look kind of silly when we make fun of him. The Jeremy Grant signing, universally panned locally and nationally. Now it looks brilliant. We drafted Isaiah Stewart. Does Troy Weaver think this is 1994? All rookie team. Sadiq Bey, the oldest guy in the draft. He can't jump. He can't run. He can't move laterally. That's what we said. Also on the all-rookie team. So he has a clear history. He has a clear history of people making fun of him, saying what he did or is thinking of doing is stupid, and then being vindicated. It's short, but it's not one or two times. It's, it's, it's several times in a year. So I think we have a little bit of hubris to act like we all know Kate Cunningham's the right way to go. We just know. And I've been guilty of it, too. I'm not pointing the finger at you. I point it right at me. So this is, I, want, I was just curious. I, I punted the last couple years because it, it's too soon. It's way too soon to litigate something in, in the draft that happened a year ago or even two years ago. You got to go at least three years back and then a little bit farther back to get a larger sample size of what we're talking about here. So I'm going to throw this up. This is something we put together because I wanted to look at it. The first overall pick is the obvious best prospect in every draft, right? 2013, here's the order. First overall, Anthony Bennett. Second, Victor Oladipo, followed by Otto Porter and Cody Zeller. 
in that draft, which was crap, by the way. 2013, Victor Oladipo, the second overall pick, was the best. 2014, Andrew Wiggins, consensus number one. No dispute. You would have been stupid to even think about passing on Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins goes one. Jabari Parker goes two. Joel Embiid, ding, ding, best player of the four, goes three. Eric Gordon, a solid player, fouls at four. I think it's Aaron Gordon, but whatever it is. 2015, first overall pick, Carl Anthony Towns. Okay, for the first of three, we got the first overall pick was actually the best player of the first four. D'Angelo Russell, Julio Okafor, Kristaps Porzingis fouls at four. 2016, Ben Simmons, the obvious first pick. Just like Andrew Wiggins, you would be stupid. You would be crazy to pass on Ben Simmons. That's what everybody would have said at the time. It was never even considered to pass on him. But if it had been, we would have called the person crazy. Ben Simmons goes first. Brandon Ingram goes second. Jalen Brown goes third. And Dragon Bender goes fourth. I could argue that Ben Simmons is the third best player of those three. 2017. Markel Fultz, a little bit more of a split uh, case here. It was either Fultz or Lonzo Ball. By the way, neither of which ended up being the best player of the first four. Fultz goes first overall. Total bust is already in Orlando. Number two, Lonzo Ball. Eh, coming out of it now a little bit. Rough start to his career. Number three, ding, ding, Jason Tatum. Number four, Josh Jackson. Jason Tatum's the best player in that draft. We'll finish here 2018. This is as far back as I want to go. Uh, DeAndre Ayton goes first overall. Number two, Marvin Bagley. Number three, Luka Doncic. Ding, ding, ding. And number four, Jaron Jackson Jr. Go green, go white. So in the last three years of this sample size, the best player of those drafts in those first four were all the third overall pick. Out of those six, only one time was the number one overall guy the best. And a couple of those, Wiggins, Simmons, those guys were even more the automatic understood number one then we're saying Cade Cunningham is now. So look, I mean, in summary, I want Cade. I've been very clear that I want Cade. I think the Pistons are going to take Cade Cunningham, and I think he is, in fact, the best prospect. But I just want to lay it out that don't be shocked if something weird happens in a couple of days. Don't be shocked. Because I keep saying there's no way there, he would never do that. Don't be shocked. And don't be shocked, even more importantly, if five years from now, we say that Troy Weaver got it right when he shocked us because it's an impressive track record, not just here, but everything he had his paws on down in OKC. So I'm not, I'm not writing this off. There's a lot of people out there. Look, I want the same thing you guys want. I think what you guys want is the right thing to want. Troy Weaver never cares what any of us think. And he usually thinks differently. So this is, this is a lot. It's a big, it hasn't happened in 50 years. It's a big week. Stakes are high. And I'm not smart enough to flesh this out on my own. That's why I bring in people smarter than me to handle it. And that's where we're going to go right now. This is a Spiro Avenue debut, a very exciting debut for me, because I've been a fan of this guy's for a long time. Neil Rule, who has so many titles that I could have made an entire segment just reading off his CV. But we'll name a few. The voice of the Oakland Grizzlies on the mic many times for your Detroit Pistons as well. And the newly minted hire of the Woodward Sports Network. Neil, I'm thrilled to have you. Welcome to the Spiro Avenue Show. Uh, Justin, it's, it's great to be here. I got to get the obligatory, this setup, bro. Damn. <laughs> right? That's, that's something you, you have to say that, I feel, when you, when you jump on here. It is, it's incredible. I, uh, you said you've been a fan of mine for a long time. I've been a fan of yours for a long time, too. So I, I enjoy it. Uh, I, I consume the show as much as I can. And uh, it is. It's, it's a big time honor to be here, man, for real. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah I mean, especially big compliment coming from you because, you know, I, I, I just talk. I mean, anytime anyone says anything nice. Hey, that, Justin, that's all I do. 
That's all I do is just talk. You, you, you Golden Grizzlies, be, yeah. Pistons, Detroit City FC. Play-by-play play is hard, sports. man. Play-by-play play is hard. People don't realize how hard play-by-play play is. I, namely my wife. She's <laughs> like, oh, you just get up there and you just talk. How hard oh, can it man. be? Right. She has no idea. But that's like one of those things where, I mean, it's in the top five jobs that people think, oh, anyone could do it. And yeah. like, you couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just up there. You know, so look, I mean, aside from the play-by-play, play, you got a great voice. You're a good technical broadcaster. But you know your shit with sports, man. You just you yeah. know what you're talking about. I've always respected your perspective. I, look, I'm curious where you land on this because with this Cade Cunningham thing, everybody's so sure, right? I mean, you listen to where we just were. I, I was so sure, but I'm, I've been thinking just the last couple of days, I don't know if there's one GM that's going to surprise everyone that does not care of all the GMs in the league. This seems like the one guy that A, doesn't care and B, tends to think differently regardless of whether we care or not. Where do you land on this? Is Troy Weaver going to fall neatly in line or are we going to be surprised in a couple days? I actually have two camps as far as this going. Number one, uh, you talked about me being the voice of of the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. We played at Oklahoma State last year, so I got a very good look at Kate Cunningham. And and that was a game, we shot the three-point shot really well. Uh, We were up in the second half of that game uh, at one time. But when it got to winning time, Cade Cunningham took over. He went. He went to the post. He went to work. He posted up our guards, our centers, our forwards. It didn't matter. I such a willing passer. But the biggest thing about him, I noticed when he walked out on the floor, the body, and the and the jersey, and and the Cunningham name was stretched across the back shoulders because that jersey was just hanging on for dear life on the back. I mean, he he has an NBA ready body. And I'm not comparing these two when I say. LeBron James, I'm talking about the body. Yeah. That's how you knew with LeBron. He he had an NBA ready body at 18 years old. Kate Cunningham is ready to go now. It just there you're not going to talk about development. Uh can can he fill out some of those questions you see with those picks, you know, number 4 through 7. You don't have those with him. You know what he is. He's a 40% three-point shooter. He's a willing passer. Uh, he's he's not going to blow past you in the NBA, but he'll 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 work the pick and roll and he'll be able to work some stuff and you know, he, he is, he's a terrific passer. So, I mean, he's with all apologies to Lex Luger, he's a total package, man. I mean, he is, he he can walk in and run your show. He can play the two guard. That size is incredible. Like I talked about. So, I mean, th- th- there's two camps, right? Where I walked away, just seeing him come on the floor going, yeah, you know, every, every, everything is true. Everything that's been said about him is true. So, you know, from that standpoint, yeah, he, he's a, he's a lockdown number one, but you got to remember, man, this is showmanship too. And it, it's a marketplace. It, it, it's an economic transaction. And you have an asset. And that number one pick is your asset. You want that asset to have as much value as it can have. And therefore, you, you talk about things like this. Well, you know, yeah, we love them. We're not all the way sold yet. And, and look, I'm a big Jalen Green guy too. I am. Because he's, he's the best scorer in the draft bar none. He walks in very soon, very in a very short time in the in his NBA career. He's going to be a twenty point a game guy. He is. With, with that being said about him, the athleticism blows me away. The one knock on K, and I, I have some NBA scouts that you know that are friends that I worked with at Oakland that have moved on to the NBA, or you know, get video guys that watch thousands of hours of film. And the one knock on Kate is his athleticism is not going to blow you away, but Jalen Green does. His vert- the, the neatest stat about Jalen Green, his vertical is the same off either foot, which never happens. I mean, you, you remember when you were a kid growing up, you know, you, if you wanted to try to dunk the ball, you always, if you're right-handed, you always went off the right foot, and the you know, left hand, you couldn't jump as high. He's got the same bounce off both feet. I mean, it's, it, it's incredible. And 
the way he figured out the G League, the way he, the way how sharp he was with the media and everything, because he was on that G League Ignite team. It was a big deal. That's kind of the model going forward. He handled everything well. I'm just saying, I'm not in the room. I haven't had the, these discussions, but my whole, I guess you would say, arsenal with, with all this would be, if it's if it's green or Cade, then it's probably going to be Cade. But if it's green in a future asset or Cade, that changes the discussion, man. I'm not saying it changes the outcome, but it really changes the discussion. Look, nobody knows. I mean, there's people like James Edwards III is an incredible reporter for the Pistons. He is. He's one of my favorites out there. Love him. Great guy. And even he, who is very uh, close with Weaver and, you know, is up in his grill, doesn't really know. I mean, so I'm not expecting you to give me an answer that you know. But just your feel. Is Troy Weaver, is it more he's really undecided or is it more kind of what you're saying of, hey, it doesn't hurt to play this up? Because I think he really is undecided. I I don't know, but that's where I land. Well, either way, you got to admit he's incredibly good at what he does because we're sitting here talking about it right now and we don't know. Yeah. And and nobody knows. And, And you see... I mean, just a stoic look all the time. I would hate to play poker against this cat. He's a oh, there, there's a look right there. There's Kay, there, there's Kate Cunningham against Oakland. And yeah, he got, I mean, he was incredible. He was absolutely such a physical specimen to see. I get why everybody's excited. I'm excited too. I mean, he, he has the potential to be a franchise changer. There, there's no question about it. Um, you know, if you could dig a little bit deeper, that whole Evan Mobley thing, I don't know how much there is to that. Um, now, while he has a chance to be kind of a unicorn big for the NBA, th- I think they played Utah earlier this year. He didn't attempt a shot. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. but, that, but that says something, though. That says something about, you know, the, the want-to factor, the competitiveness factor. And, but on the flip side of that coin, in college, you never get a chance, especially as a big, to be a, quote, floor spacer like you can in the NBA. And he could knock down the shot, as we saw in the NCAA tournament. I mean, he was, he was incredible from distance. You know, a great rebounder, seven foot plus. Uh, the the wingspan's going to be mammoth. A shot blocker at the rim. Um, he can he can provide a lot of tools in NBA basketball. I I I don't know. Again, I say this, I don't know, but I would just lean towards that. You know, as as far as the Evan Mobley thing, I don't think that's as much in play. But again, just going back to it, and I talked about this today on Woodward Sports. If you're giving, if it's me. And I'm just, I'm betting on the Houston Rockets being bad for a long time. I just, John Wall's got like a $47 million player option that's coming up next year. Yeah, he's going to be taking that. He's not going anywhere. You can't get rid of him. You're trapped with him. So what, what, what's Houston going to do? Even, even, if they, even if the Pistons took Jalen Green and Houston took Kate Cunningham, Okay, what what is what does that really change for them? I know they got Kevin Porter and stuff like that, but I'm just I'm banking on Houston being really bad, and Houston has a lot of draft assets coming up. If I if I'm going to get Houston's pick next year, if they're going to give me their first, and I I don't remember the exact mode of of you know first round picks that have been traded, if they can trade their own because they're traded their one before, like I I don't remember what that is off the top of my head. But if I can get Houston's pick next year or the year after the one. I'm banking on them being bad, then I can get Jalen Green and I can be right back at the top of the lottery again. Yeah, and that's very possible. I, I think, first of all, this whole notion of, oh, the Rockets are going to trade 24 and 2 to move up to 1. Like, get the no, hell that, out of yeah, here. Yeah, right? that's not happening. But some people think that. It's yeah. like, no, like, if you're going to move off 1, 
you have to give that unprotected lottery pick. And I, I'm with you. I, I think it would have to be 2023, but I'm not positive. Right. But yeah, I agree either way. The assessment is they have a couple years to go before they're good, no matter what they do at pick two or pick one or right. whatever. I have a little bit of a different take than you on the breakdown of the three with Cunningham, Green, and Mobley. I don't think it's, if it's me, I, I'm not even going to speculate on what Troy Weaver's thinking. Sure. But if it's me, I think the plan B, if you're going to deviate, is Mobley, because I just break down the three. What is sort of the hardest thing to find in the NBA? Let's start backwards and work from there. Jalen Green being an athletic dominant scorer. I mean, again, not, I'm not saying it's the easiest, but of these three things, it's the easiest. I would say a big-time offensive player that's athletic is the easiest box to check of the three that we're talking about here. I mean, I'm not saying he's this guy, but I grew up watching Ricky Davis put up 20 a game and was dunking all over guys. And My favorite Ricky Davis story is when he threw the ball off his own rim to, to get try to get the triple-double. Triple yeah. that's, that that's one of my favorite all-time stories in sports. It's, it's I miss Ricky Davis. He was, I mean, he was hilarious. I, yeah. I like characters. It's like he didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> he didn't win anything, but he didn't hurt anybody. Right, right. He just wanted to do his thing. But I just, I, again, I think Dylan Green projects to be better than Ricky Davis. I'm just saying, like everything you hear about Jalen Green is like good kid, hard worker. He's gonna score a lot. Like okay, like he's also six five. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the model when you compare him to the other two. And you work through Cade Cunningham, who's sort of the presumptive favorite. He's a six foot eight, three level scorer with the wingspan of a center. He's a leader. He's a winner. Has all the intangibles. Was sure. the best player on the best high school team dragged a carcass team to the NCAA tournament on his back, Aaron Henry trademark. So, you know, I, I, that's a lot to like. I think it's hard to find a six foot eight guy that checks all those boxes. And you look at Mobley. I think Mobley, he's a seven footer. He can do everything. He can rebound. He can block shots. I mean, people forget, like, I'm not saying he was a great three point shooter, but he just started shooting threes a year ago. And he's, he's like 31%. Right. He brings a dynamic in the pick and pop game. I mean, yeah. you know, we're, we're kind of geeking out a little bit right here. Like, I understand that. But, and, and that is, that's NBA offense right there. I mean, because it, it's such a matchup driven game that he provides you so many angles. I'm with you on that. It's just, I have a hard time with that. You know, played Utah, didn't attempt a shot. Like, what know. was the problem? He's what a, was the problem? It's valid. He's just a harder thing to find. I think he's going to be, I mean, regardless of what the Pistons do, let's throw that part of it out. I think he's going to be no worse than the second best player in this draft and has a chance to be the best. I would still take Cade, but... Well, I'm with you. You know, I, yeah. I am. I'm with you. I, I, I'm a Cade Cunningham guy, but I can be a Jalen Green and uh, you know, a 2023 or 2022 Houston Rockets first round pick. Their pick. Not the one they get from Milwaukee or the ones they get from Brooklyn or whatever. Their pick. Because it, it's going to be a train wreck there in Houston for a while. I agree. So it, we're saying if for you, if Cunningham is just not the guy for whatever reason, they find out right. he's a bad guy or something, you're going green over Mobley. Sure. That's, that's okay. how I would do it. Because I, I, know, and I know what you're saying, right, is th that big that can stroke it is harder to find. You're right. But for this Pistons organization, you know, what, what's the last great wing score they've had? If you, if you go back, it's been I mean, a minute. I, Stackhouse? Yeah, I, I was going to say probably Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, I mean, 29.8 points per game that one. Now, year. granted, you know, Joe Dumars was able to figure it out. You know, I, I still never understood why it ended the way with Joe that it did with the fans here. I mean, 30, you know, 30 years of service to the organization or whatever that number was, man, three NBA titles. He should walk on water. But that's another, that's a different discussion for a different day. I, I'm 1 million percent in with you on that.
But with all that being said, that he was able to put a championship team together without a great score, but that was a unicorn team. I mean, we'll never see that again. We'll, we'll never see that team with the Pistons had. We'll never see that again. It's a requirement. It's a flat-out requirement where, because even going back to the bad boys, though, you, you saw in the 30 for 30 about the bad boys, Joe Dumars talked about Adrian Dantley and said he, he took us to that level because we had a dude that we could give him the ball and go get a bucket. When everything else breaks down, this guy can go get a bucket. A, a score. A score isn't a luxury. It's a requirement now to win. So I agree. The, yeah. I agree. I, I, but, you know, it's, I, and I do think we agree that Green is going to be the best scorer. I sure. just, I, I could see Green being a 30 point per game guy and Mobley being a 26 point per game guy. I mean, I think we're splitting hairs on the offense and I think sure. Mobley checks Absolutely. a lot of other boxes, but we'll see. I mean, there, there's some projection there. I just, I would be surprised, not completely stunned, which is the whole point of the opener, if it's not Cunningham. As but, would I. But I would be disappointed only if it's Mobley, if it's not Mobley or Cunningham, basically. Like, I, Mobley, I'm on board with. Green, I don't know. What, but, what about my scenario? What, what about Green in, in one of Houston's future first? Well, if you're getting Houston's, I would, I'd rather, I'd rather take Mobley at two because I'm going to have the second overall pick. But, yeah, I'd be fine with that, too, I guess. I think Green's going to be the third best player of that three. But I think they're all going to be great. You know, I don't think there's a Dwayne Wade and certainly not a LeBron in this group. No question. But I, th- I, I do think people need to temper expectations. Yeah. With you. Like, Kate is not going to come in here and score 30 and get 15 rebounds and have 15 assists and be 17 to 26 from the floor, you know, a bit more often than not. Like, I, I, I feel as though... He's being built up into this, and that's very much not what he's going to be. He's going to be the kind of guy you win a championship with because being 6'7", 6'8", at that spot, that's the other unicorn thing. I mean, and I'm with you on that. There's no question. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of the intangibles, from everything I've heard, Mobley, it's not that he's like a bad kid. He's just he's a little little less mature. Like, he's he's not going to be the guy in terms of the voice of the locker room, whereas it seems like Green and certainly Cunningham would be I don't know I mean we we've had, we know a lot more about Cunningham and what we saw in the way he would take over games Green's a little more of a wild card I, do you hear about this Jalen Green workout that everyone's talking about uh, yeah I mean it's taking on the uh, Kobe with the Celtics uh, yeah. lore I guess it, it's to that level both in the production physically but just that he nailed the interview which right. I thought that was kind of interesting but I don't know I don't think this is settled so just I'll ask you this right we agree on Cunningham being the guy Let's say it's not. I don't care whether it's a trade down or he just sits there at one and takes Mobley, sits there at one and takes Green. Are you in the Pistons fan camp? I know you would disagree with it because we're both K guys, Mm -hmm. but are you in the Pistons fan camp that it's this egregious thing? You're going to meet Andy Isaac down at LCA and help him tip over the sausage (laughs) house? Is it like. No, because I enjoy the sausage house. Oh, because you tip over something. (laughs) Something else. Yeah, you would tell him, hey, don't don't take that one out. Let's take out the the pizza stand. But like. Dipping dots are way overrated. Let's find the (laughs) dipping dots cart and take care of that one. Dipping dots. Tip the dipping dots cart. Over, but you see what I'm saying? Like, okay, we want Kate. Okay, right, great, wonderful. We agree, wonderful, right. good conversation. But like, here's Ryland. I think the fans are wrong that it's like, oh, so obvious. And we demonstrated why because we've seen that. You don't have to go back 30 years and pluck an example here or there. Just the last five years, say for the last two, which we excluded on purpose, I think fairly. Mm-hmm. Just the last five years prior to that, 
We had two examples where the obvious pick was like right. the third best and, player. And you, you brought up the 2017 draft. Didn't Boston trade down from number one yeah. to number three? Yeah. And, and got Tatum. Yep. So, I mean, you, you how do you, as Tupac said, how do you want it? You know, I mean, like that's, it can be done that way too. And no, I, I'll never say it's an egregious thing. A, because it's Troy Weaver, man. And, and Justin, here's my thing with this Pistons team this year. If I took all the numbers and all the names off the back of the jerseys, I just put the team out there and they played. And I took all the numbers and all the names off the back of the Pistons jersey from the team the year before, and they played. And I split screen it, like how you have the split screen up there. If we split screen it and we watch those two teams play, they're unrecognizable to one another. And he did that in one draft. One year he did that. Just, just flipped the whole dynamic of that basketball team because I've always said this, and, and we've, we've seen this with college basketball, whenever I talk to, to Coach Campy or if I talk to college coaches, I say, and we saw this with John Calipari, he was the first to do it. I think everybody else is kind of caught up now. You give me five athletes, five great athletes, and I'll figure it out. And, and I really think basketball is becoming positionless to, to a certain degree. It is. And Kate Cunningham's another, you know, they'll play the one, play the two, you know, has ability to post up at the three. Uh, so I, I think you're seeing that right now. Troy Weaver kind of took that and molded it his way. And we're, we're becoming positionless and just the athleticism of the team. Don't even watch the ball going in the net. Just, just watch that team run the floor. It's, it's unrecognizable. So, no, I'm not, you know, I'm, not, I'm not going to the sausage house with Isaac you know, if it goes down that way. I will do the dipping dots, as we said. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not going down that road with them because he's got a plan of how he wants to build this roster, man. And who am I? Who are you? Who, who, you know, who is anybody else that's not in that room? I'm a huge resume guy. Check the resume. And the resume is pretty damn good. And I could not be more aligned with you on this because I am the ultimate. Some people say I'm a cynic to a fault. And by some, I mean virtually everyone I know says I'm a cynic to a fault. No, but they don't say I, that. I, no, they do. I'm just well, I, I am working on my reputation, but it's, it's years of repairing. But, yeah, <laughs> but no, it's true. Generation. Well, and we're going to get to the Detroit Lions later. Yeah. But like you do have the fans that just, Blindly, it just they love everything the Lions do, and they always support it. And every new coach is the new guy, and he's right. going to be the one to figure it out. And it's like I think those people are misguided. I used to say meaner things; I'll just say misguided. I think they're wrong. But with this, we we made fun of this guy like five times last year, and he got the last laugh every time. I mean, the, and nobody the one like people knock on the Killian Hayes thing. Killian Hayes was the top guy on the board for like 90% of the guys. It was, it was either him or Halliburton. And don't Michael Carter. At, at the point guard spot, probably the most valuable position in basketball. Right. But I, I think the people, I don't know where you stand, but people are like burying the Killian Hayes and the guy had a catastrophic hip injury and was the youngest guy in the draft to begin with. And, sure. and Halliburton, look, I think Halliburton's a good player, but we saw Michael Carter Williams win rookie of, the, rookie of the year, looked like the best player in that draft. And then he ended up out of the league in like four years. Right. So it's wait. That's why we excluded the last couple of drafts with that breakdown. It's just too soon. But the, what it's it's not too soon to see. Oh my God, Isaiah Stewart can probably play in this league a little bit. Jeremy Grant is clearly a pretty damn good player. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm going to defer to the resume. And I, it's a little bit of a difference here. What we're seeing in town, Jim Costa, friend of mine, ninety-seven-one, yeah, good, 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 good yeah. guy. He's a, a little bit annoyingly talented for how young he is. I, he's taking the city by storm. I think he's the next big guy in Detroit radio. But he says, in his opinion, he talked about it on this show, that Steve Eiserman to him, total carte blanche. I mean, he could do anything. He, he could draft 
a trainer in the first round to sit on the bench and, and rub guys' elbows. And it just wouldn't question it. But I, Troy Weaver does not have that for him. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think Troy Weaver has that with more people than, than we think they do. It's just, it's the allure, it's the spectacle. Uh, the, the videos of the, of the Pistons fans when they, when they opened the envelope and it was the Pistons at number one and everybody just lost their mind. It just the improbability, something that hasn't happened in 50 years, a, a town that's desperate really for you know, something miraculous to happen, I guess you would say, because we, we pretty much caught the short end of the stick for a while. You know, I, 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 I'm not breaking any new ground there. But it's, it's because of the mystique of the number one overall pick, and there's, it's so unilateral. I mean, there, there isn't a, a pundit out there that it said, Kate Cunningham's not the number one overall pick. I mean, Troy Weaver's the only one saying it. So it, it's so ingrained in the people just based on the rarity of the event. So, so I get it. I, I understand that. But again, I'm, I'm going to defer to the resume. I, I'm with you. And I think, and it's not that I don't think Eiserman does have carte blanche, just for me. I don't care what anyone else thinks. But like, to me, I'm riding with both of them. But if I had to give more carte blanche to one or the other, I understand what happened in Tampa Bay. But Troy Weaver has actually done more tangible things here in town here in one year than Eiserman's done in three. That's not a knock on Eiserman. No, Eiserman but had a terrible teardown. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I think Eiserman maybe walked into a little bit more of a mess. I mean, you, yeah, can, yeah. you can wheel and deal in the NBA, and, and you can totally change your, your financial standing over the, over the course of an offseason. And if, if you hit a teen's draft pick, like look at the Bucs with Jan. If you hit a teen's draft pick, like, like it looks like they did with Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, if you do that and if you parlay that and do it twice, I mean, yeah, you're going to change the fortunes of your stuff real quick. Franz Nielsen's still on the Red Wings, and they're still paying him like five and a half or $6 million, whatever. That, that could be the most egregious contract in the history of Detroit sports, if you think about production versus Jordan, cost. Jordan Zimmerman. Yeah, well, you can hide behind the injury or what I'm saying, though, he's here and he plays all the time. Yeah. And nothing ever happens. And it's five million, six million a year in a, in a league where your caps, what, 70 or 80 million. I mean, it's that's an egregious contract. And I know he won all the cups and, and I was one that gave him credit for it because he did. Guys like Phil Jackson, stuff like that. You still got to do it. Dave Dombrowski, you still got to do it. And when you do it, you did it. And you can't question it. But what he did on the way out of town, man, like it, it was, it was rough. So I, that's where I cut Eiserman a little more slack. And oh, by the way, his Tampa team just won again, and he's not even there, and he hasn't been there for what, eighteen months or whatever it is. No, I'm with you, and it wasn't meant in any way to knock Eiserman sure. or say well, no, I get what you're saying. I mean, I'm with you. It was yeah. a disaster. I'm just saying, like, I could make the argument that Weaver deserves at least as much carte blanche. I mean, we've seen him do things that are like I like. Eisman hasn't drafted someone in the fifth round that's been a great player. The fifth round in the NHL is kind of the equivalent of like the late first round in the NBA. Sure. Yeah. I mean, no, almost none of those guys hit. Like, I just, whatever you think, Eisman, that doesn't really matter. But I just, I'm curious if Troy Weaver surprises us. We know we like Kate, but I am going to be, I think, in the minority. I'm curious where you are. I'm going to stand with them. I, I, I'm going to say for the record, I wouldn't have done that, but. I'm good with it. Let's roll. I'm not even going to criticize it. Like, we wake up in a couple of days, and we're, we're looking at a picture of Jalen Green holding up the jersey, and we did not trade down. We're talking picked him 1-1. Okay. Yeah, picked him one up. Okay, are, yeah. Are you going on your, your show, uh, Woodward Sports, and, and 
shredding Troy Weaver, are you buying in? Because no, I'm buying because, in no matter what he does. Yeah, be- because I'm going to buy in, and, and number two, like I've worked for the franchise, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, I'm I'm buying in because again, I go back I go back to the people I talk to whose opinion I I really really value who are who are informed that have gone on and work in the NBA and just. The athletic, how gifted athletically Jalen Green is, it's it's pretty seducing. And and what you saw, that's this is I think you're gonna see that this is gonna be the first draft where the G League guys, you see the the fruits of the of the G League labor, I guess you would say, because he's a guy that came out because at that point, Justin, you're playing against either future pros, the guys that are like Jalen Green that took six figures to go play, or you're playing against guys that are trying to get back. And they don't care about you. They don't give a shit about you. They want they want to get buckets to get back to the the chartered flights and the four seasons and you know the seven figure deals and stuff like that. They don't care who you are, and and they they want they want to light you up. And you know it's professional basketball. He came out, didn't play well, adjusted, you know became a force in the G League. So he did it against men, pros, dudes. Like he he did it and. I I get I cut that a little more slack than dudes that do it against college players. I yeah, just do. I, I I'm with you. I, it's a fair argument. I do think, like I said, not in terms of scale, but in terms of just hit rate. I think this is going to be one of those rare drafts where, like, who whatever order they come in, they'll all be at least solid. They'll four all be of the five. Guys. I mean, I'm not saying the first five will all be good, but like any given draft, I mean, we we threw up what six or eight of them or whatever it was. Sure. Like none of them had all five guys no. being good. I don't think any of them had all four being like really good. I think this draft, however they land, four out of those five guys at least are going to be right. really good. I mean, we may, even if they hit eighty percent of what they're well, that's where I, yeah. that's what I go back to is if if I if if the Pistons got two, I'd have pumped my fist with that too and said, oh, all right, yeah. let's go, let's go. I wanted them anywhere in the top three. When when that whole thing started, I said if they can somehow slide in the top three and get either, you know, Cade, obviously Jalen or Mobley. If they can get one of those three guys, man, then let's go. You know, let's go. So, I I, I think it's funny because if they were two, we'd have a party. If they got Jalen Green too, there was you know James Edwards, the aforementioned great guy, great journalist, uh, probably my my favorite Pistons writer. He's he's phenomenal. When he was talking with Troy Weaver with the media today, and I'm going to paraphrase that and pull the quote, but it's a close paraphrase. They were talking to him, and Edwards asked him, essentially, how much do you value a guy that's ready right now versus like sort of five years from now, who's the better player? Like, are you looking for the guy that can walk in? You said in your opening comments, I agree. Cade Cunningham right now is the best player on day one. And to what extent is Troy Weaver, this was asked of him, sort of building in the projection. Right. And I look, I haven't spoken to James about this. I inferred, I may be wrong, but I inferred James putting that question out there as a roundabout way of asking, because we all know Cade Cunningham's the best right now. Sure. Hey, like, is Cade the guy or not? I think that was a very clever way to kind of glean some information. And Troy Weaver, unbeknownst to him, I think kind of obliged that a little bit, which made me think even more so. This is not all a smokescreen. There's some genuine pause here that Cade's the guy. Troy Weaver essentially said, look, I'm interested in who's the best, again, paraphrasing, but I'm, I'm interested in who's the best five years from now. We're in this for the long term. I don't really care who's the best tomorrow, who's the best on day one of season one. I, 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 look, I always try to read the tea leaves, read well, between well, the Well, he's lines. got it, but if he's playing the long game on everyone, 
You know, that's that's like a Phil Ivey type poker move right there, right? Where he's going to, he'll say that, knowingly say that. He couldn't wait for that question to be asked because he knew it was going to be asked. And you just put a little more smoke on that on that Woj tweet. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what you're doing. I mean. And you sucker guys like me that are now talking. <laughs> <laughs> right. But can you sucker the Houston Rockets? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's who's sitting across the table from him. You know, you have your stack of draft chips at the poker table and you're trying, you're trying to pull the Houston Rockets in. I, I think I, in my heart, that's, that's what I think it will be. If you're, if anything's going to get done, it'll be with Houston because Houston just adores Cade Cunningham to the point where they're not rational about but it. But see, this is what I don't get. And hey, look, I, you're you're a smarter guy than me, so explain it to me like I'm a five year old. I don't under I understand the concept of a smokescreen in sports and drafts. Mm-hmm. I get it. I don't understand how that principle even applies here. Because if you want Houston to get desperate and give you a Godfather offer, wouldn't you just make it seem like Cunningham's the overwhelming favorite? I don't get how sort of degrading no. him to where he's not the clear number one guy is going to entice this godfather offer. Because you make him available. You sell the fantasy, right? Okay. You know, That's fair. it'd be like a mortgage, you know, a mortgage salesman saying, you know, you, you should refi because you want to go on vacation to the Bahamas. Well, you should refi your house, man. You could be in the Bahamas in, in six weeks. You know, you could be, you could have that drink in your hand, that umbrella drink in your hand, man, with that infinity pool and you're snorkeling with your wife. It's a vacation you dreamed about forever. You could have that, and you could have it in six weeks, man. Just sign the paper. Troy Weaver's a timeshare salesman. <laughs> you know, he's, he's teasing the possibility. That, that's a good response. I yeah. mean, that's 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 totally valid. I guess there are more than one ways to smoke a screen. Sure, yeah. sure. So yeah, I, 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 that makes sense. You got to make it real. I guess you, you know you got to you got to make them feel it. Yeah, yeah. You do see sometimes the opposite in the NFL, like where it's they'll hype up how much they like a guy when they don't even actually like the right. guy, but they want to make someone, you know, give up assets. And it's like, I'll get my guy at 11 anyway. I don't even want this guy. Well, that tells me that there's one target. You know, when, when, when they do that kind of stuff, that there's, that there's one target to well, me. Yeah, I mean, that's what we wanted the Lions to do with, uh, at least I did, and I think smart people did, with, you know, the Tua draft when they ended up taking Akuda. They made it to me, even though they didn't flat out say it, they didn't plan one little story. There was nobody that thought they were actually going to take a quarterback at that pick. Because they were never going to. Right, but I think that was a horrible job of not at least trying because no, Miami it, wanted to. Everybody knew it. Because they didn't want to. The, the Lions didn't want. It was never, ever, ever, well, ever have. a consideration. Well, that's a, it's, it's a criticism that it, I'm giving you, them that yeah. it should have been because – why wouldn't you? Because, I agree, because I'm a draft capital guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and yeah. the Dolphins had all this I love, capital. I love picks. I it, love picks. What kind of poker are they playing? I mean, Bob Quinn's gone, but I mean, it's just like they're sitting there at three. The Dolphins have five and like 76 draft picks in the next two years. Right. It's like, you know they want the guy. Right. Like, right. I mean, and if they don't buy the smoke screen, that's fine. I mean, at least you tried, but like at least leak some story in the free press that Tua had an incredible workout in Detroit or something. Sure. That was never there. So that's a little bit of a different thing, but we digress. I don't know. I mean, we're so close to it. Take me there. We talked about what we think could happen and what we think should happen. Mm-hmm. Like, if you had to put it in stone, you got a million dollars if you nail it. What actually happens Thursday night? Because I, I don't think Houston will go there. But maybe they will. I mean, maybe they will because they have so many picks coming up. You're back into speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I just I can't see Houston because I think – if I'm Troy Weaver, I'm only doing it if I'm getting their their next first round pick that's available. Their net their next first round I'm with round you. Pick. Unprotected. I, no, no, no protections. No. Right. Yeah. None of no. We're we're getting that pick because I will bank that and then you just come out and you say, 
he'll never say it because you don't say it that way. But when you're having bourbon with your buddies or whatever, uh, you say, I'm just banking on them being bad for the next couple of years. I, I, you know, it's just my theory. I don't think Houston will go there. I think it will pretty much go according to Hoyle. And, you know, the, the, the Pistons will take Kate Cunningham. The Rockets will take Jalen Green, and then it'll play out from there. Do you think that this whole fan base take that Cade Cunningham loves Detroit rap music and he loves Motown and he said he likes blue collar people in the attitude of the mm-hmm. town? Like, do you think that even matters? Like, I mean, yeah, I'd rather he like it than not hate it. Right. Not, I, like, you don't want him to be John Elway here, man. Right, right. I mean, yeah. obviously, like, yeah, it's nice, but like, people are citing this as some like, huge metric i don't really care that much i mean yeah but you, i mean you know how we are i mean we're, we're pretty provincial the city i mean we we like our city we like the stuff that we like and we really gravitate towards someone that that likes the stuff that we like and i'm you know i'm guilty of it. a lot of people are guilty of it out there so i i think that's a savvy move by kate cunningham that kind of shows you how you know how above the you know above the curve he is with everything that's going on because that that move that going to comerica park going to the tigers game and all that stuff ma'am then you know you're you're in here once you're in here, man. All that does is help you in the long run. You know, all that does is cut ice for you in the long run. So yeah, it's it's a great play. It's a smart play by him. Yeah, I agree. I agree that it's smart, and I agree that it's working. I just don't put any stock in it. <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't mean anything. Well, you're, to me. you're a different kind of cat than most folks. Well, so. I think the Detroit versus everybody stuff is stupid. I mean, it's clever marketing, but like the Detroit Lions have been terrible for a million years, and it's like you get oh my god, the refs, Detroit versus everybody. It's like. You're convicting the wrong guy, right? Like, but that, but that's the same kind of that that pervade itself with the whole reaction to getting the first pick, though. You know, when you see the Red Wings slide in the draft, and you know, time after time after time, that's what we've kind of been conditioned to have, you know, to see happen to us. You know, when we finally popped out on top one time, I mean, it it did kind of come to fruition a little bit. And you mentioned it earlier, but I mean, God bless problems like these because I actually <laughs> truly believe that all three of those guys are going to be really good. I think so too. Like I, all I, think, I think so too. I and think so good. This is, this is our problem. Like I, and it, you know, we we sat here in Detroit and watched the Pistons slide back two slots from their expected lottery finish. The Red Wings repeatedly slide back. It's like, can we please at least just hold our spot? And right. like, I'm not even asking to like move up. Yeah. Just be where we earn. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like the Red Wings are the worst team in like 40 years. Like we pick fourth. Like, <laughs> right. When they're, when they're only two chips in play or what <laughs> right. I, uh, it was at the Jack Hughes year. And yeah, yeah. yeah. They had the Freddie A, like the Caco. Like, it's just, you know, come on, man. Like, can we at least like hold the line hold a little the- bit? <laughs> and, you know, so look, this is like a great problem to have. I think this will be one of those where it's like, I mean, not again to this extent where, where it's like, oh my God, how could you pass on Michael Jordan? But like, okay, I mean, if you got Hakeem Olajuwon, like, right. I think even if someone, and it, you know, the more sort of contemporary example would be Trey Young and Doncic, not exactly the same because, you know, that was a trade directly involving those two guys, right. but like Doncic went first and all the Hawks fans and people in the NBA for the last two years have said, what a conundrum, what a catastrophe that right. Trey Young decision was. I've been saying for like two years now, yeah, I'd rather have Doncic, but like if your sad sob story draft thing is, oh, I got like a multi-time all-star and there was another guy that was just like a little bit better. Yeah. I don't feel that sorry for you. The, the closest thing to Steph since Steph. Yeah. You know, that that's what you got with, with, with Trey Young. He's great. And yeah. I mean, if, you know, Doncic, it's, it's possible that Trey Young's the better player in, in 10 years when we look back retrospectively. Who knows? I mean, Doncic has had some injury issues. Like, I'm not predicting it. But like, the point being, to put a wrap on the Pistons thing, 
I think just we're in a good spot. We we want to get the mm-hmm. best guy, but no matter what happens, I think we're going to get an exceptional player. And this organization, this town has needed that for a long time. Don't you think no matter what, we're going to be pretty happy in the end here five years from now? Yeah, again, just going back to the people I've talked to, it, it's a defined three. Yeah, it's a very, very defined three with the scouts. And, you know, I kind of ran through some of the, you know, the geeky stuff for you. Like I ran through the geeky stuff. So, um, you know, yeah, it's a very defined three. I truly believe that as well. History says we're both going to be wrong on this, though. You know, like the math, the numbers dictate that we're not going to be right. There's going to be at least one that that probably is not going to hit. And then watch like Jalen Suggs will be good or something. You know, I mean, but that's that's the way it always seems to shake out. But as you and I sit here right now, and, and we're just a couple of dudes talking, yeah, I, I'm with you. There, there are three defined prospects I think will be very good. I think Suggs, by the way, has a good profile to be like a Drew Holiday type. Like That's why I said I think four of the five are going to be really good. It's when we get into like you know Scotty Barnes and Kuminga, and that's where I'm yeah. like, ah. The, scout, the scouts, the, the, the people that I talk to are not big Kuminga people. Really? Yeah, they, they're, they're not at all. Too just, raw? Or- yeah, too raw. Uh, the, the motor sometimes isn't there. So, I mean, we were getting really, really geeky now, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's the one that I kind of walked away going, watch out for that dude. Yeah. I mean, I, but once the perfect Sacramento Kings pick, I think those first three are going to be like stars. I think Suggs basement is still being like make two all-star games and be drew holiday, which is, yeah, you got a little bit higher opinion of them. You're not a big Suggs. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of explosion there. Um, you know, it's just, I, I just, I don't, he, he could be the, the, as, as a, like a lockdown defender, like that type of stuff. I mean, he, he's, he can be, he can be a solid guy for you. I like, I guess, I, I don't know. I maybe like the, one of those fringe all-star guys, like you talked about, like a, a six man type guy. Uh, that's and Jason Terry in his prime when he was like, really yeah, good. you know, yeah. he, he has that two moments where you're like, all right. And then he just kind of never gets back to that, but he still, but he's wraps up a 13 year career. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, and that'd be a hell of a basement. I mean, I sure. don't know. We'll see. I, I, I like him a little more, but we have time. That's the wonderful thing. We're yeah. going to find all this out. Right. But again, I think we're in a great spot. I'm excited. I actually like a little bit of drama because again, I don't think you can really go wrong. I think it would be in quotation marks, the wrong thing to pass on Cade, but I think the worst case scenario, you're still sitting here with a multi-time all-star. Yeah. We've deserved this. It's been a miserable decade in this city. Like, thank God. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. And it's all to Troy Weaver's credit, who executed the most brilliant one-year tank job turnaround ever, where you had all these guys getting minutes and developing and competitive, and they're diving sure. for loose balls, and then they lose by two points. Like, it was, right. just, it was beautiful. <laughs> it, it was a Monet painting of a tank job. We've never seen anything like it. It may never, again, after. So I want to transition to this. This is where I, I put on my black hat and I, I'm not so, so in such a good mood because the Pistons had me optimistic and I had bright things on the horizon. The Detroit Lions. I, I mean, this is, we're not going to spend as much time on the sure. Detroit Lions because the Pistons are the story this week. But like, I just, I want to touch on it at least briefly. And we've talked about them a lot today. I'm going to bring them in one more time because it was so apropos. Our friend Andy Isaac who had this tweet today, which was a very encompassing of, I think, the general attitude around the most optimistic Lions fans. This is the quote from Andy Isaac this morning. Quote, I'll say this again. Dan Campbell seems like a compassionate and genuine human being. 
That may not mean much for X's and O's, but it means a lot to the people who work for him and for the folks covering the Lions. I'm rooting hard for him to succeed. Okay. First of all, I agree with all that. And I've even said things of that nature on my show, on my Twitter feed. I said, this guy seems like the best guy ever. I, I'm a Lions fan. I, I'm a good person fan. Hope it works. So I'm not like putting Isaac on blast because I agree with all that. And I've said all that same stuff. But I want to just look at it from this perspective because that captures my view, Andy Isaac's view, and a lot of views that I'm seeing. Even the biggest supporters of the Detroit Lions, of which I would certainly include Andy Isaac and many around him in that circle that liked that and retweeted that, don't have much to go on. Because if you look at what he's saying and you look at what the proponents are saying, good guy, cares a lot, funny catchphrases at the press conference, seems like a good guy, a genuine guy, he's compassionate, he really cares. All true. All good things. I don't think any of this is necessarily that important to winning at a high level in football. I think it can buy you six months in your year one of guys liking you. He's a fun guy to play for whatever. The first time that you forget to call a timeout or you call a dumb play, you lost the locker room and all that cute stuff isn't so cute anymore. At the end of the day, if you're losing games, it doesn't matter. So it's nice. It gets you that little perk. Jim Caldwell, 11-5 and five his first year, country club, never repeated that success. I think Dan Campbell, I'm on the record. I don't think this works. I don't see any evidence, any tangible reason to suggest that it would work. Hope I'm wrong. Thrilled to be wrong. I don't think it does. I know I'm a cynic. I'm curious where you stand on Dan Campbell because I don't see any reason to believe in this. Does Neil Rule believe in this? Uh, Here's, and I talked about this when I was on Woodward Sports Today with George Bell and I did the, the midday show. Here's where I stand with that. As far as Dan Campbell goes, what you said is correct. You can stand up there and, and you can give the catchphrases and all that kind of stuff. But when you're one in five, you're one in five and, and people check out on you. They do. But what I liked about what Dan Campbell said, and I'm always a guy, I never really take much from press conferences because there's not really much to be taken. But he did say one thing and it wasn't the kneecap stuff. It wasn't any of that stuff. What he said to me was, I have to win football games. I never heard I never heard Matt Patricia talk about nobody ever puts a limit on themselves, right? Nobody ever attaches a number to themselves when when they do these things. But Dan Campbell looked in the camera and said, "I have to win football games and if I don't, I'm out." And and I I enjoyed that when he said that because you you don't get that. What what makes me that now granted that doesn't tell me I love schematically what he does, or you know, he's he's a great time timeout guy, great great clock management guy. No, that doesn't that doesn't help in that regard at all. Zero. Zero point zero 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 percent chance of that helping. Where I do buy in is this is a player's league and it's a talent league. And what where I do buy in in totality in, in this I I I just it's it's like me putting the toe in in an ice cold pool or a lake. Like I just it makes me pull it back out real quick, but then I put it back in. Just given the history of this franchise, the philosophy has changed upstairs with Brad Holmes, and that's that's where I buy in. Because again, what did I say? And it's the same principle with the, with the Pistons. It's it's I'm a big draft capital guy, and they have draft capital, and they have lots of it, and I'd like to see them go get a little more. And it wouldn't hurt me if, if they had a bad season this year and they ended up in the top five of the draft one more time. I don't have a huge problem with that. I know the, the fans don't. 
but you need to pay attention to Campbell's contract too. He got that. What did he get? That six year on that yeah, deal. Six years. That's that was a long, long term deal. But that tells you, you know, that tells you the organization recognizes what what's on the horizon. You know, as as far as you know, the the chest of talent and everything like that. And and Brad Holmes, man, again, resume. What what he did with the Rams. I mean, they have they haven't had a first round pick since like the eighties, since they took Flipper Anderson or something like that, man. And they were always in the playoffs. I'm with you on Holmes. Always, I, I like Holmes. Yeah, I just yeah. I'm I'm a big draft capital guy, and as long as he's not the Browns head coach from two years ago, they'll be fine because they'll have talent. At, at, in three years, they'll have talent. You're not a Freddie Kitchens guy. No, you could no. be. You could talk about Hugh Jackson or. Oh, dude, yeah, that guy. That was pure buffoonery. <laughs> either, out there. either one. <laughs> yeah, that was pure buffoonery. What he was doing with the Browns that that was a wasted year. Yeah. For, for them. So you know, I mean, just from that standpoint, I buy in because of the guy that's going to acquire the talent, and he has a a lot of a lot of chips to do so already, and I have the feeling he's going to go get more at some point. So that's that's what tells me if they give him players. The players will be good and they'll win. And you and you have to look around too at just the additions of 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 assistants and you know assistant GMs and everybody that they brought in. I mean, there were a lot of big time names where NFL league people said, "Wow, they're really putting some stuff together." John Dorsey, John, and that the John Dorsey one is is really the one that kind of made me open up my eyes. Where they had he, they had the juice to go get this guy to come in here. You know, everything he touches turns to gold too. You know, so. You know, with all that being put together, word for word, what you said, no, I got, I got nothing for you other than I like the fact that he said I have to win football games because I never hear coaches say that because that is the case. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just again, but that doesn't do anything. For no, you. and yeah. you, yeah, I mean, it's just, and I, I get it. It's like you know, I always say I have no faith, but what choice do we have? They're going to play the games right. if you're, if you care at all about the Lions succeeding, you're going to hope that they win. But I just I don't understand. I think this fan base has been hoodwinked so many times. I go back. We all I mean, have, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've been there too. Mm-hmm. Like you just go back to Marty Morningweg, and I mean, it's like that was twenty years ago now. But at the time, people make fun of it now, and they forget, or the younger crowd may not even remember this. But at the time, his first week of practice in training camp after he gets hired, after having said the goal is to win Super Bowls in his press conference, was the guys were dogging it in practice. And he, he threw the ball on the ground and literally got on his Harley Davidson and just sped off. And there was quotes from like Robert Porsche after the after that practice in the media scrum being like, we didn't know if the guy was coming back. It's like, what? like they were kind of standing <laughs> well, in around. retrospect, we wish he didn't. Well, yeah, you wish, yeah. He, wish he had never coached a game. Yeah. But it's like at the time we make fun of it. Now it's silly. Now the players made fun of it in real time. At the time, because I listened to those radio shows as a kid every single day. As did I. Yeah. There's there no Twitter, but there was Sports Radio 1130 WDFN. Yeah, Stoney yeah. and Wojo, every caller yeah. loved the Harley Storm off. This guy this means, is what we needed. Yeah. Yes. The kick in the pants. This guy's not fucking around. Yeah. And it's only in hindsight that it became a caricature. Right. So that's, it's easy to remember now. In hindsight, it's a caricature. At the time, we loved it. Rod Marinelli in 2006 gets up. He's a military guy. He's a, literally a military veteran. Gets up there, and the first thing he says, good morning, men. I mean, there's like 37 women there. But that, that's like, <laughs> right, it's right. the military thing. Good morning, men, and we're going to pound the rock, and blah, 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 blah. My, my shovel is sharp. Well, yeah. that, came, that came after. Yeah. That was when they were like 0 and 9, and he was going <laughs> to say, I'm going to dig us out of it. But like, I'm just talking the initial perception. Sure. 
we make fun of it now. It's a buzzword now. All that stuff. I mean, you threw it out off the top of your head. The shovel is, you know, yeah. my will is outstanding. We, we laugh about that stuff now. At the time, we loved it. And I'm just wondering if the biting kneecaps is this contemporary version of Harley Stormoff and Good Morning Men, we're going to pound the rock every day. Like, I, I just, and I have nothing else to go on. Rod Marinelli is actually, honestly, the better example because they were both position coaches right. with no experience as coordinators. So I just, I don't buy it. I don't see any valid reason to buy it. And I hope I'm wrong. But when Andy Isaac, who is the most optimistic guy, I think, alive, the, the, <laughs> the guy, I mean, God bless him. I, I, I wish I had his heart. He's a much better person than I. But when Andy Isaac, the ultimate Lions fan uh, optimist is making the argument and says he's a genuine guy. I, I, I look, I admit he's not so sharp on the X's and O's, but he, he really cares. That's your best argument. I'm supposed to buy this? I just don't. And, and you're not wrong. You're not wrong, man. I mean, and, and obviously I, I love Andy too, man. Great dude. Oh, he's the best. Uh, yeah. He, he, he tried to tell me that the lime Kit Kat was, was really, really good. Um, Oh, I don't know God. if I yeah I don't know if I buy that. You gave that, that or a not. good review. Yeah, the key lime oh. uh, Kit Kat. I mean, I haven't tried it. I haven't tried it either. <laughs> and I do so like key lime, to, right? but oh. I can't imagine liking a key lime Kit Kat. So Andy, if you're listening, man, I I I know you said it was good. I know we were talking together in the office. You said oh. it was good. I, I just I can't do it. But anyway, going back to it. No, I know that, and that knowing you, knowing your personality, and and having followed you for a long time, yeah, that's not going to do anything for you because it it just all comes back to it. That's that's what I liked about what he said. I don't care about any of this shit, man. I don't. Win games. This is the NFL, man. You line up, that man's trying to take your lunch money across from you. Be victorious. Like, win games. Oh, I like the line. Yeah. yeah. Like, just win games, man. Like, that's it. That, that's the only thing. The talk, the rhetoric, the press conferences, all of it. None of it matters. None of it matters, man. When 17 games are over, where are you? And you got, you got some slack. You know, and, uh, what, what, uh, what are you giving them? Three years? Two years. Well, it, part of it's going to depend on what you see, because they could win. They could go three and fourteen this year, but as long as he's not making egregious gaffes strategically at the sure. end of games, you know, we talked about clock management with sure. timeouts. It, it's sort of this like the similar thing, you know, I'm talking about with Mel Tucker, Michigan State football, where it's like, yeah, I'm not thrilled that they went two and five and got their doors blown off five times, but also it was a terrible situation. And what I liked seeing was they got blown out came back and won as a 24-point underdog against their hated rival. They got blown out and then beat a very good Northwestern team that was shaking the boots out of Ohio State for the yeah. Big Ten title game. So it's like, no, I don't like two and five in a vacuum, but I saw but you like how You don't mind how they got to two and five. Right. Is what you're saying. I, well, I, yeah. in, in that context of year one, sure. I can hang my hat and be like, look, I'm, I didn't see Mel Tucker do anything stupid. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the only thing you could say is maybe you should have gone to Peyton Thorne earlier. But after what Rocky Lombardi did against Michigan, I understand with seniority giving him a longer leash. Right. But like I wasn't seeing Mel Tucker do stupid things strategically on a routine basis. So that's going to be what I it's more so than the record. Obviously, if they win 10 games out of nowhere in year one, that's a win no matter what it looks sure. like. But I mean, short of that. So it, it's I know it's, I'm not trying to cop out. I just think it's less dependent on record in year one. Now, big picture. I'm going to have some serious problems if they're not rolling by year three. Right. And, by, and everyone, I, 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 you can't always leave it ambiguous. It's 
Some people thought that the nine and seven, oh, Jim Caldwell. I mean, you know, your your colleague uh, Sam Stick Day is saying like, oh, Jim Caldwell is the best coach we ever had. He wants to hang his head on nine and seven. I'm not going to do that. Like if they go now, I guess what would the equivalent be? Ten and seven or, you know, nine and eight. <laughs> if they're doing that in year three, I mean, I'm not hanging anything on that. I mean, it's better than being terrible. Sure. But like at what point are we asking for more? If that's what makes you happy, aren't we owed more at this point? Haven't we waited long enough? And it does not take four or five, six years to rebuild no. an NFL team. Well, so, especially when you have these draft chips that, yes, that they have. That's a good you, point. You, have two, you have multi-years with two first-round picks. You know, you, yeah, by year three, you, you better be in the playoffs by year three. With, with all these draft picks that you've had, you better be in the playoffs. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, there's no excuse. Year three is where it needs to be. And then by year four in this perfect ideal timeline, my metric would be I can go to the Mirage Sportsbook in Vegas in August before week one. And you can get 12 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Exactly. That's I don't, all you want. I, I'm not saying I need him to be the favorite. I'm not saying 15 I need to 1. I want him to be in like. The teens. I want him to be like the sixth most likely yeah. team to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and that's where I'll be. Obviously, and then the season subsequent to that does matter. That sure. matters more than anything. But that's where I want to be like, okay, going into year four, if we get that far with him, you're three years in. I'm sitting by the pool and I'm like, I'm going to go check what the odds are on the lines. And I can go and see like, oh, okay, you know, there's, I'll make this up with the Cowboys, the Bills, the Patriots, whatever. Oh shit. The Lions have the fifth best odds. Like that, right. that is where it's like, okay, no matter what happens, the perception, which is, has to be based on something tangible has changed. And he's actually been a success to some degree. That's sort of my metric is everyone talk to you. You can talk yourself into 10 wins or nine wins being the end all be all. The Lions have never, including in that 11-5 and five season that was a very good team with Jim Caldwell, have never in my lifetime been a top five, top six odds to win right. the Super Bowl. Ever. Not once. So if he can do that, that's sort of when it's like, okay, things are different here now. Is that no. fair? No, I, I, 100% that's fair because that's how I've It hasn't been like that since the 91 playoff game when John Madden said, you're going to see a lot from these two teams over the next 10 years. And he was half right. It hasn't been like that since then. I mean, no. for real. No. Because I, I would say, I, I'd be curious to look. I, I don't know if they keep track of that all the way back, but I'd be curious to see what they were to win the Super Bowl in 1992. You could find it. Granted, they, yeah. they went 5-11, because of course they went 5-11 and 11 that year. Yeah. But I, I wonder what it was. You, I know you can, because I've actually looked it up for research for other topics. Yeah. I know you can still find odds, like for the NBA, the NFL, from like, Early 2000s. Yeah. I've never even tried to go back that far, right. but I, I bet you could. I bet you could. I mean, you can look up the Super Bowl line from like 45 years ago still. So Yeah, and you can take Team USA laying the 42 and a half tonight against Iran if you want. Would, so you, would you, you recommend that based on what you've seen so far? I, well, come to find out, Iran's got like former NBA players on their team. I mean... If they played in high school, I'm not laying 42 with what this team has shown. <laughs> like, can Popovich knock it off? Like, Greg Popovich is, like, so bothered. He's the most overrated, not in terms of his NBA success, but in terms of the media personality that is Pop. Like, this guy is this beloved, quippy figure. It's like, no, he's just an ass. Like, to me, I, he's, just, he's not my cup of tea. I, I think there's a little bit of both of that to me, though, with him, because the, the world has gotten very good at basketball. They have. I mean, they, Again, Iran, their center, I think, played a couple years for the Grizzlies. I mean, he wasn't like an impact player, but he was in the NBA. You know, I mean, like it was a while ago. He's like 36 now or 37. But, you know, five years ago, if I told you Iran has an NBA player, 
you'd be like, get get out of here, yeah. dude. No, yeah. no way. So, I mean, the, the world, it, both can be true. Like, both things can be true. I mean, he can, he can have that angle, but also the world is catching. I mean, Luka Doncic in two years could be the best player in the league, man. Like, yeah, he's he's trending that uh, way. I mean, they, between him and Evan Mobley, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm with you. I'm not even saying that he's wrong in saying the rest of the world is caught up because I agree with that. Yeah, but it's just like this attitude of like, dude, I, no matter what's happening, you did lose as a favorite. You should win. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not that. Oh, it's a, it's egregious that you lost, but like, you should win. You didn't, and you're acting like insulted that these reporters even dare suggest. That maybe you guys are falling short of your. Yeah, I mean, you you you're wearing that target. I mean, you you know that going in. You know, yeah. I mean that you you shouldn't be surprised. He does seem like genuinely surprised by it, which is kind of weird. But yeah, you know, I don't know. Whatever. That's if we could talk about Pop all night. What after what he did to my old five Pistons, I'll never forgive him or anyone associated <laughs> with that Spurs team. I will forgive Rashid Wallace as much as he broke my heart in that game five. Yeah. But um, anyway, so let's move past the Lions and move into something a little lighter hearted. Yeah, the Lions might come up in sort of a baby form here, but we talked okay. a little bit before the show. We're done with the meaty stuff. We're into the fun little speed round that we do. We oh, talked like about it. the rules. You know the deal. Yeah. So we're going to get to that. It's just going to go boop, boop, boop. Take your time. We, you know the rules. But move it along. Move it along. 30 seconds. Don't do the Justin Rogers where the speed round was longer than the body of the rest of the show. <laughs> I think that's actually true. The speed round, quote unquote, was like an hour and 15 minutes. I'm not like barely exaggerating. So this is where I want to start with the speed round. And this is going to be sort of uh, close to your heart, hopefully. Okay, I like it. Best play-by-play broadcaster ever, because this is what you do. Who's the best one that you've seen in your lifetime? Keith Jackson. You, you're a big Keith Jackson Big, guy. big Keith Jackson guy. Tell people um, who Keith Jackson is if they don't know. Uh, the voice of college football, man. They're, Hello, everyone. You're looking, you know, you're, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just it was everything. Like, I, I was such a big, bold day, New Year's Day guy for my, pretty much my whole life. And when he did the Rose Bowl, man, parlay that. Uh, in broadcasting, dude, you, you're, you're lucky. Like, we're all lucky. We're at the right place at the right time. We call the right team. He was doing the Rose Bowl, man, in, in Rose Bowl's heyday. So with me, and you know, Miami, Florida State, and Michigan, Ohio State, and hello, Heisman, and you know, I mean, he was, God, he he was, man, he he was the best. Kevin Harlan's my, you know, yeah, he, I'm a big Kevin Harlan guy too. Let me pay you back really quick on that. I'm curious where you stand on the duo, obviously color and play by play, of Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth because they are by far my favorite. But I get a lot of shit for liking them. Like a lot of people don't. I, everyone likes Michaels. Collinsworth is more polarizing. Where do you stand on that team? Uh, he's solid, man. I mean, he knows the game, right? I mean, I, I don't, I never walk away saying, what, what does Chris Collinsworth talk about? I mean, there's, there seems to be an agenda sometimes with who he's going to talk about and who he's not going to talk about. Like, I, but we all, I, I'm like that. I mean, everybody, everybody who's going to sit here and be honest, you know, you, you go down that line sometimes. So yep. no, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, Al Michaels is, uh, He's been doing it a long time. I'll just say it like that. But you know, he's great. Yeah, he is. Well, he's great. But he's just been doing way it a better long time. than Troy Aikman and uh, Joe Buck. <laughs> I could, we couldn't hear you. I heard you say something, Ben. Who are you saying? Troy, Troy Aikman, and Aikman and Joe Buck. Oh, Aikman and Buck. <laughs> way better than um, them. Yeah, you know what? I'm in the Joe Buck is better than people give him credit I, for. Camp. I was just gonna say yeah, that. I'm, like, I'm in Buck, that camp. Buck like made a scene with the Randy Moss. This is a disgusting act. Pretending the moon. Everyone. He oversold it a little bit. Like, come on, put the pearls down, right. stop clutching them, relax, it'll be okay. Right. And then the other incident was the helmet catch with David Tyree in the Giants-Patriots Super Bowl in 07, 
where people thought like, oh, caught by Tyree, it was a little bland. Those are two valid criticisms, but generally, I think he does a really good job. You, you know what? You know what helped him in my eyes? His book. When he just came out and he's like, yeah, I'm here because of my dad. Yeah. 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 I was like, cool, bro. Yeah. His dad, a legend in St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I I caught a couple lucky breaks too, man. I, I know how you feel. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I can I can relate to everyone saying it's, everything's because of his dad. Believe yeah. me. So, okay, we'll move on. Tigers. We're, we had to hit it a little bit today. Oh, Torque. I'm going to turn them against each other here. So you're jumping the gun. So you're, oh, you're, yeah. you didn't even hesitate. Spencer no. Torkelson versus Riley Green for reference. Baseball America just came out with their updated list of top 100 prospects in baseball. I believe Torkelson is four or five and Green is like six or seven. Right, yeah, they're right next they're to like each other. They're basically right there. Yeah. You know, it's like Julio Rodriguez and Jared Klenick in Seattle. They're like right there next to each other. Yeah, the, the power is mesmerizing with, with Torkelson. And he's doing it. He's doing at these at the you know the he did it at West Michigan then he went to Double A and he's doing it there. You don't see that man like you don't see those balls those dudes are hitting. I, I I'm a big minor league baseball guy. I go to a lot of Whitecaps games, the Loons games. Uh, my my family we go to a lot of minor league games. I haven't seen those kinds of of home runs. I mean just the just the absolute bombs. Plus. Even if it were close and it were going to be a tiebreaker to me, uh, he broke Barry Bonds' freshman home run record at Arizona State, and I'm a big Barry Bonds guy. So if you Barry Bonds got walked intentionally with the bases loaded, so if you break any of his records, I'm I'm for it. Well, and I agree that Torkelson's going to hit more home runs, but I mean there is an argument that Riley Green's going to be a lot more valuable for his defensive presence. You know, he's some people are saying he might not stick in center, but center or an outfield position is a more important position than first base, which I think Torkelson will end up back at first. I like, and I don't know to what degree you value speed, but Riley's a better runner than Torkelson. So yeah, that, that would have been cool 15 years ago. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah it's it's <laughs> yeah. a home run game, man. I mean, that's you're how you score right, now. Right. It's a home run game. I, if I had to take one, I'm with you on Torque because I don't see how that guy busts. Like to me, his basement is Paul Canerco. Like just sure. like 290 or 30. 285 and like 30. Yeah, 30 and 100. Like yeah. he's not going to not be that. Like I agree. Just, unless it, it's, of- it's, it's, clear, it's clear that he is. I mean, I was worried like everybody else was when. Uh, 37 it, strikeouts. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I was really worried, but whatever that was, he got it together. Fair enough. Yeah, and I, like I said, gun to my head, I'm with you. Okay, speaking of the Tigers and draft picks and prospects, Jackson Job, the Jackson Job pick third overall about a week or so ago. A uh, high school pitcher that high. It's been a long time since that's happened. We talked about the Baseball America Top 100 list. We saw Marcelo Mayer, a shortstop who was passed on, is 38th on that list. Jordan Lawler right ahead of him at 37, another shortstop the Tigers passed on. Those were two guys expected above Jackson Job to be taken by the Tigers if they were available, and they were. Jackson Job is 96th, so he's like 60 rankings behind these other two guys. They're all in high school. Baseball America, it's just a list, not saying anything, but I had an issue with it. I don't agree with it. I upside. These guys almost never work. The Jackson Joe pick, are you cool with it? What do you think of it? I, I, I get where they got tantalized with the, I mean, the, the numbers and the spin rate and, and the velocity yeah, for this dude. I mean, is, is, it really is off the charts, especially for, for a high school guy. But I go back to it. When's, when's the last shortstop you had here? Alan Trammell? I mean, for real. Yeah. Like, Davy Cruz had a couple of 50 doubles. Senior Double had a couple of 50, you know, d- double seasons. But who who's the last? I mean, Carlos Guillen. Carlos had Guillen. A, he yeah. had a three-year where he was very good. Yeah, at, at, at the shortstop position. But then he moved, you know, he did some third and some yeah. first and yeah. all that You're kind right. of stuff. Yeah. 
when have you had a cornerstone shortstop here? So I, 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 I'm not going to go crazy about it. I would have took the shortstop myself, but you know, whatever. We'll know in five years. I'm with you. I would, I, I would, I'm not going to go crazy. I think Jackson Joe might be in terms of pure talent, the most talented guy in the entire draft, sure. but it's like, the last 20 guys that have been taken that are high school pitchers in the top 15, there's like one guy that was like pretty good. I mean, right. it's just like, it's such a high bust rate. I have some serious concerns, but I hope I'm wrong, obviously, just like I am about Dan yeah. Campbell. Anyway, moving on, speaking of football, Matthew Stafford's Rams peak. Now, I'm not talking about individually. I think he'll do well. That's not the point. Matthew Stafford's best team result as the quarterback of the Rams, not necessarily in this year, but before he retires or moves on, where does he take the Rams at his well, peak? Uh, whatever the lowest point is, is the best for the Lions fan, right? Because the, the draft pick kind of revolves around it. And he's, right. he's gone now. And, and look, I drive by the field that they did. And when I go down to do Detroit City matches, I drive by the field that he did. Salute that. That's great. That wasn't the issue. The bottom line is they didn't win enough games when you were here. In, in the NFL, it's a scoreboard business. So with all that being said, I hope it's not great. I, I do because I want the Lions, I'm a Lions fan. I want the Lions draft pick to be as high as possible. That's where we are right now. Make no mistake about it. Like I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't a, a Detroit Astros fan when, when Verlander was there trying to win the World Series. Like you had your shot here, bro. Like, you know, yeah. you, you didn't get it done. That, that's, I don't know what else you want me to say. You still, I still have as many wins in the World Series as he does. And he was bad in both of them. Now, 06, he was a rookie. Give him a little slack. Sure. 12, abs- no excuse. Yeah, and then with the Astros, he didn't win a game in that World Series either. I mean, he's never left a World Series game better than when he started. He was always the second best pitcher in the park in whatever World Series game he's been in. Don't be mad at me. You can go on Google and you can look at that. I didn't make that up. Like, that's factual. So, you know, I, I hope it's not good. I, I hope they don't have a good season because I want the Lions draft pick. Say they say they do that. They are three and fourteen next year. You know, if the Rams go three and fourteen too, then boom, you got number two and number three in the draft. You feeling good then? Well, that's fantasy land though. The Rams, Ma- mil- I mean, million percent, it's fantasy yeah. land. But that's what I want it to be. Oh, well, I'm with you on that. Yeah. But where do you think it actually lands? Because I think he's going to win or be in a Super Bowl either this year or next year. No, I don't. I don't. You you, you I, don't yeah, buy that. I, I don't buy that. Those days. I mean, just because. I, I never saw him. What was his moment here? You know, like even in, even in, that, in that Cowboys playoff game, they scored six points in the last three quarters of that game. He had yeah. the ball with a chance to win. I just, I don't buy into that, that whole comeback thing, that whole Browns game. I never saw that with him. So I, I think he's a bit oversold. Good for the Lions. You know, they, they sold high on the guy. So good for the Lions with that respect. I, maybe a playoff appearance, they'll get bounced. And, and it keeps going back to math with me. The Rams aren't going into Seattle and winning a playoff game again, not back-to-back years, if that's who it has to be. So I just I don't see that. I don't see him going somewhere and winning a, a playoff game on the road. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I disagree, which is fine. It yeah. makes the world go round. I think you're selling him a little bit short, you know, relegating it to the Browns thing from his first year. Well, we'll see, guy, we'll see who's right, Spiro. Oh, well, we will. But yeah. The guy had the most fourth-quarter comebacks in the entire league the last 10 years. I think it's like, oh, that one comeback against the Browns. The guy, the guy literally But has, what, what was the magic moment through that, man? Well, there wasn't. But what was the magic moment in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, or the 50s? Oh, well, the 50s, they had some. But it's like, I don't put that on him is what I'm trying to say. But we'll see. I mean, that's the beauty of the sport. We're going to see what happens on Thursday. We're going to see what happens with the Rams. I think Stafford is going to be. I like like your branded water, by the way. No, that's a long story. Eric Williamson, (laughs) your book, because you're friends with Tony Paul, right? Yeah. yeah, Tony Paul comes in here with like a a, uh, seven foot tall 
Diet Coke in his hand, right? I mean, well, yeah, that's standard. That's yeah. standard issue for Tony Paul. Well, that's uh, that's a morning beverage, right? And that was back when we had cords hanging all over the goddamn place. Okay, so like the, the studio was kind of a mess, and it was before we hired Eric, our graphic and set designer. So he's doing an audit of the Spiro Avenue show and what we need to change. He's like, "This guy's got a giant Diet Coke bottle on your table. You can't do that." All I'm looking at is that stupid Diet Coke logo. He goes, "Everything on your table has to be either like totally neutral or branded." So short of being like. Hey man, like here's a green cup that you have to pour your thing into. <laughs> I, I want things to be nice when I had dignitaries like you come in. Yeah. So I had to go with the branded water. So that was an Eric Williamson thing. So if you think I'm a narcissist, blame my graphic designer because I, I just do what he tells me. No, to I do. dig it because every time I grab it, I think it's a can of Heineken. So and everyone you know, thinks it's beer, man. I'm for that. Yeah, everyone thinks it's beer. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. We've had two recovering alcoholics on this show, <laughs> and they've both been like, "Hey, honey, like this is water." So yeah, it's, <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's they they kind of had fun with it too. But anyway, way off the path. Let's get back yeah. on the road. Red Wings playoff timeline. Not talking cups. I'm talking. What year are they just in the playoffs? I don't care if they squeak in on the last day. What year are they back? I'm still two years away because, and I always go back that Franz Nielsen contract in particular. <laughs> yeah, just I can't stomach that thing, man. Until that thing's gone and off the books, then then I can circle the way again because I go back to it. I don't know the exact number that the the NHL salary cap was seventy, seventy two, eighty million. Yeah, it's like, like a flat cap now too. Like yeah, just with the COVID stuff. Yeah, yeah. the seventies ish million. Yeah. That's $6 million to him, man. Yeah, like, it's a disaster. It, that, that is, I, I still don't think people realize how crippling that contract alone. Now, you, you put on top of that the applicator contracts, and, and it, it is, they're still not ready to go yet. They're no. still, I, I know they're doing the draft and everything like that, but hockey's different. Hockey's like baseball. These cats are three and four years away. They're not. They're not coming in. It's rare you see a, a you know a Connor McDavid type dude that rolls in and he's here in eight months or whatever that timeline right. is. It doesn't happen. So I, I'm still two years away. I, I'm still two years away with the Red Wings and where they are. When when they start, and you'll know when they'll be ready. They'll be a tell. I I liked the Netty move. I guess I I like that. But until you start seeing moves like that regularly that'll be the tell that's when you know that they're ready to rock so you're when you say two years you mean they're gonna miss the playoffs this two year, more times yeah this year okay and next year and then they'll be in I, again i totally agree with you i thought we were gonna disagree more tonight there have been a couple of times you know stafford and <laughs> you know, some other stuff but no I, i'm with you and I, I i just said said that the other night i think it's like i i think we're gonna start seeing substantial improvement not this upcoming year, but the next year. Yeah. Well, I mean, because once I mean, you get that Nielsen contract off the book, I'm in. <laughs> poor Nielsen. Man. Yeah. Man, what, what did he do? He's getting, getting dragged all night by you. Yeah. No, it's totally valid, by the way. And like, I don't, I don't remember the number on that advocator thing when they bought him out, but they're paying him like to just, you know, yeah. sit at home basically, you know, half of what it would have been. So yeah, not good. Anyway, we'll finish here on the Lions on a happy note, of course. This is what I'm asking everybody. It's 50 50 among the media and the fans with Jared Goff. Whatever you think of them is fine, whatever. But just in terms of the Lions, you're jumping into Brad Holmes's brain. Do you think Brad Holmes sees Jared Goff as a bridge to the future, to the next guy to replace him, or the guy, I got my franchise quarterback? What does Brad Holmes think of you? I, I think his tell was when they reworked the deal because the thing, I the thing I loved about the Stafford trade was you had two years of Goff, and then you could just, if, it, if he wasn't, if there was no return on the investment, Peace out, you know, and that's it. And you're done and your hands are washed. The contract's over. They kind of tacked that third year obligation on there. So that that changed my mind a little bit. I, I think Brad Holmes thinks that he can be the guy. 
And I'm a little more supportive of Goff because to this day, one of my favorite NFL games I've ever seen was when the Rams played the Chiefs You know, a couple of years ago. That was a great game. And I watched him carve the Chiefs up. And I mean, he threw some, he, you know, there were some throws he dropped in the basket and everything like that. I mean, it was an impressive, impressive performance. I, obviously, I was disappointed when he took a step back and he had a little bit of injury issues last year. Can, can I cop out and say he's the bridge guy? Like you're because you got him for three years now. So he's going to be the guy for at least the next two. Like, what's the guy qualifier on that? Three years, well, four I years, mean, a new, another contract? Basically, in, in, does Brad Holmes think that he has his quarterback that he can reach the peak with, you know, to reach his Lions goals? Like, Brad Holmes, I think, I don't know, I'm assuming his goal is to win a Super Bowl in Detroit. Like, that's the apex. Do you think Brad Holmes thinks he's got his guy, this guy I can win the Super Bowl with, I can reach the highest level of potential that I want to reach with this guy? I think so. Uh, I again, again, just because they tacked on that extra year to the deal, that was a big tell to me. So, yeah, I think that. And I, I don't, I don't like golf. Seems like he's being crushed by everybody around here. And if anything, man, people forget before Stafford went to the Pro Bowl, we hadn't had a Pro Bowl quarterback here since you know back in the seventies or whatever. You know, granted, Scott Mitchell got jobbed a little in '95. He should have been in the Pro Bowl. But with all that being said, I know I did that story for the for the uh, free press when I worked there for a little bit. But it's uh, yeah, I I think Brad Holmes thinks he's the guy. I'll cut him some slack because he, they got a two year runway, as we discussed earlier. Yep. They got a two year runway. He's got a th- three years left on his deal that they're obligated for. So, I, sure, roll him out there, see what happens, man. Maybe you get lightning in a bottle. Maybe you don't. You have the draft capital. Take another one if you want to. I, I totally agree. Nick Baumgartner is again just great guy, great reporter. Disagreed with me on that. When I guess would disagree with you by proxy. Uh, Dave Burkett disagreed with me. Was convinced that it was a very real chance, like better than fifty percent chance, that the Lions were going to draft a quarterback at seven. I have said from the beginning, the ultimate tell. Yours is a good one too about the third year, but the ultimate tell for me was Jared Goff's introductory press conference. It was very nice and pleasant, and that's it's going to be that. But it wasn't that. It was what happened right after that, and we shared that clip on a previous show. It was available. The Detroit Lions tweeted it out. There's coverage of him going down the hallway at the Lions facility. And every assistant coach that bumps into him is giving him a bear hug. And I can't believe you're here, man. I, I love that yeah. you're here. Like, we're, let's go. Let's go. It, that was not uh, the face of a coaching staff that sat in a room and said, okay, he'll hold it down for a little bit, and then we'll get rolling with the real guy in yeah. two years. That, I mean, no one's that good of an actor. Like, and certainly not all six of them are that good of actors. That was a genuine, they think he's the guy. The one thing is, I think that they do think he's the guy. I think they think they can have all their dreams come true with him as the guy. But they do know, I would think, that even if we're wrong, we do have the out. So I think it is a little bit of both. It is. is. It's a little bit of both. And that's what I liked it. My only question was when they reworked it to get that third deal on there, because I I love the chair of sitting there going, you know, we have multiple first round picks in the next two years. If this isn't working out, then we take we take a quarterback that that we fall in love with, and you know that's it. Deuces. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Jared Goff gets a bad rap. It's like that he does treat this guy like he's just a, a just horrible garbage quarterback that didn't make the Pro Bowl when he was 23 <laughs> right. and go to the Super Bowl at 24. Yeah. <laughs> like, can we cut the guy a little slack here? Like, I just, I mean, the I'm resume's not, a resume. Yeah, man. I'm not saying he's like top 10, but like. 
you know, Chris Sims, who I respect, I, I think he, he's done a very good job overall with his prognostications. But he's got your golf as like the 32nd best quarterback yeah, in the was, league. Yeah, that was a clown show episode. It's like, come on, yeah. man. Like, really? Like, some of the guys that are ahead of him, who was it? Like, um, God, I can't remember. One of the rookies, not not Warrants was, and not Lance, was like nine rankings ahead of golf. I yeah. can't remember who it was. Oh, Justin I, Fields. Didn't he have Justin yeah, Fields, Fields ahead of him? Yeah. This is who I'm thinking of, though. Not a rookie. Taysom Hill. Taysom yeah. Hill, the guy that runs around on jet sweeps. Don't, don't get me all fired up about that he one. He had again. Taysom I, Hill at like 22. I did some talk. I, I, I you, you addressed some talk that radio too? talking about that. Yeah, that, oh, was, that was huge. Guy has a winning How record did, against Russell Wilson. I don't. I can't. We can't hear you, man. We said oh. I can't. But um, you got to throw that speaker back on, Ben. <laughs> I, I don't. My hearing sucks, man. I don't know. Maybe Neil heard you. But like, no, I just you you put Taysom Hill at. 22 Taysom Hill. I mean, it'd be bad to even have them like next to each other, but he's like seven or eight spots ahead of Jared Goff. I think we've gone off the deep end. The guy had a bad finish. He had a horrible relationship with his coach. Like this would not be the first time a guy with talent. We saw it with Ryan Tannehill gotten kind of a bad situation. His coach didn't trust him. Coordinator didn't trust him. Everyone was looking over their shoulders. It didn't work. Goes to another town. People forget Tannehill was a top 10 pick himself. Was he like the eighth overall pick? Yeah. Like he was a real talent coming out. Jared Goff was the first overall pick and was close to consensus. I kind of like him. I mean, I just, you know, I'm not going to ever predict the Lions quarterback to ever win big, but on that curve, I think Jared Goff's just fine. No, yeah. so I think they're fine. Well, that's a wrap, man. You did a great job. I oh, appreciate your first it, man. Time. It was it was great to be here, man. I appreciate it, man. You you are very talented. You have your. Uh, I know you've kind of already made your Woodward Sports debut and sort of more yeah. kind of like filling in. But tell us a little more. Are you like? You have a full time thing there. Coming yeah, up? yeah. So I'll uh, I'll be doing the midday show there. Um, I know Tony Paul kind of tweeted it out. Uh, we're we're kind of in the process of putting that all together right now. I have uh, I, I I I did the midday show yesterday with Terry Foster. I did it today with Joyke Bell. Um, I have a, a little bit of vacation that I have to take with the family that was kind of booked before all this kind of came to be. So August 9th will be my first day there uh, at eleven. We're doing the eleven to one show. So we're in the process of kind of, we'll make a big introduction to all that. But yeah, I'm excited, man. And, and look, as, as, a, as a guy, and, and we exchanged that story, the same as you, man, like growing up, listening to DFN, like it was always my dream to, to kind of do this stuff for a living. The play-by-play stuff just kind of happened, and I was all right at it. And I kept getting lucky and getting more jobs doing it. And then it became the, the life of what I did and Caught, caught a lot of breaks with soccer and, and all that kind of stuff. Got ESPN deals to do USL soccer. And it was, it's, it's been great, man. And doing NBA games. Ultimately, I mean, I've made no bones about it. Like that's my goal is to, to get to the NBA in some fashion. So, uh, you know, it's, it's 10 times easier to make the NBA as a player than it is as a broadcaster, which that's always a stat I go to, which is incredible. It's stupid that anybody would try to do that, but here I am, you know? So, uh, you know, that, that's where I'd like to end up, but I do enjoy the talk radio stuff going back to just in the roots. And I think I said earlier, you know, talk radio, uh, this is the future. I mean, this is digital media. It's not talk radio anymore. It's sports digital media. And the, the Woodward, the whole situation there, it really blew me away, man. It did. And when I, when I got a chance to come in there and, and guest host a show and I was doing it with Darren McCarty and, and Tom Mazaway, the interaction that you get from all these different social media. And you tell me if you, if you kind of have found the same thing, the interaction you get from all the different platforms, the YouTube television, uh, the Twitch, the Facebook Live, all of it put together, because people are going to consume stuff on their phone, man. That's how we operate now. 
and stop trying to fight it because you can't fight it. Anybody who has kids now, you and I have kids, you're, you're going to fight this battle soon. I mean, it, it is, it's a battle that you fight. So it's, it's delivered to people on their terms. It's available instantly. You can rewatch it anytime that you want to watch it. And the numbers that you see live, and then you check back in six hours and look at the numbers again. Then you look at that night, the numbers again. It, it's incredible the way it stacks up. And, and the people that engage on a regular basis, they're in. I, I kind of equate them to Oakland basketball fans or Detroit City fans, where the, the numbers aren't, you know, they're not pro sports fans, but the people that are in, they're in. And, and they're there and they engage. And I love it, man. I was blown away. Um, I didn't kind of know what to think at first, but once I got in there and, and, and did it, this is the way it's all going, man. Production value, stuff like this. I mean, it, it's top notch. And uh, everybody over there at Woodward Sports, they've, they've been great to me. They value me. I mean, they came to me, man. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't seek them out. They came to me. So I, it, everybody wants to feel wanted, right? So it, it kind of, it was kind of validating to me too. And I appreciate all the the interaction everybody did with the social media posts about the announcement and all that kind of stuff. I was really blown away. It's that's the great thing about social media. Like we always hear about the negatives, but there there are and I it's been unbeknownst to me. Like I, I just kind of go about my thing. I want to call my game and come home and, you know, pour a bourbon or whatever and and flip on Sports Center like everybody else and just get, wake up and take my kid to school and, you know, do everything that everybody else does. I never realized that people had, you know, that much respect for what I do or love for what I do. And it was, it was incredible, man. I, I never realized that there was an audience like this and I, I am, I'm blown away. Like dudes like you, when you reach out and you're like, Hey, you know, you want to come on the podcast because I never view myself in, in that, like the Stonies of the world and the George Blahas of the world, the Mark champions of the world and all those guys, I'll, I'll never view myself as that even whatever that that's why like, I mean, you saw like when I won the hour Detroit award for like the best Detroit sports play-by-play guy that still hasn't registered with me, man, because like, I don't, I, I don't, I can't even compute that. And then won it again. And I, I was blown away and it's just, I'll never consider myself in that class with those people. And maybe that's a fault of mine. I don't know. But I also think that that's kind of the value of me, I guess. I guess that's kind of why people like me, man. Cause there are, and I'm not saying, you know, in, in this town in particular, but in this line of work, man, there's a, there's a lot of people that feel themselves, you know, there is. I'm just calling a game into a microphone, man. My wife's a teacher. She goes to work every day. You know, my parents worked in car factories. My parents went to, went to work every single day of their life. You know, I, I've never gone to work a day in my life. So other than when I was like a bus boy, you know, or, you know, trying to make the go of the office stuff or working in a restaurant or whatever, delivering, I delivered pizzas for a long time to kind of make all this work. You know, I, I was working then, but I, I don't work doing this. Yeah. I mean, you're right on where the wind is blowing. Like, I mean, in, in terms of social media, I do think it is largely, or is in a lot of ways, bad. Maybe not more than 50% bad. But a big chunk of it is bad. Right. It's, it's toxic. People are terrible. The bad part of it's are bad. And it's almost always anonymous people, which is like, I mean, I, I would argue I'm probably the most eh, right up there. Top three most disliked shows. Like, but, it, but we have both. Like, we have people that absolutely love to watch everything we sure. do. But, like, we have more, I hate the term haters because it sounds like, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of legitimate reasons to hate me. It sort of implies that, <laughs> like, they're just haters. Like, they have no valid criticism whatsoever, which I don't mean to imply. Right. But, like, there is a, a large sector that we're like, 
people are like talking about my wife or something because it's yeah. like something I said about Jim Leland 10 years ago. And it's yeah. like, that's kind of the ugly part. But the good part of it is obviously what you guys are doing in Birmingham sure. with Woodward Sports, but like, you know, opportunities for you guys. But look at Chris Castellani. Chris Castellani, now of Barstool, like seven, eight years ago, if you had just gone back in time and that's, he, we were living then, but he was the same age and everything else was the same. He'd be just a really talented guy that no one knew about that would be that would never probably never give a shot and then would yeah. have given up and went to go work, uh, you know, in, in whatever, whatever. Goes, yeah, yeah, be an accountant or whatever it is that he wanted to go do. Yeah. And, and that's and that's really the biggest thing that social media has done is it's given people like me a shot because and, and is there the, the only I guess you would say hate that I get is sometimes people call me a self promoter and stuff like oh, that and I'm like nobody well, dude, hates like, you well who else I mean who else is going to promote me man like I don't have you know, I don't have a company so dude like that's it. the who's, point of all this uh, who's who's ever said it? you're one of like the I've had this is episode what thirty nine or something yeah. like a, a couple of repeat guests we've had like thirty five people in here since the video format switch like it's like you maybe one other guy. That I didn't get like one message about like oh fuck that guy like everybody loves you like you're 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 like the Detroit the, the, sports teddy bear the, 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 every, the every man well I mean, you know again I, I think people can you. yeah I mean it's it's the every man thing right like I'm not I'm not curing cancer here man I'm just I'm just telling you what yeah. I I, so I think I saw it on social media somebody said you know describe badly describe what you do badly. And I said, I tell you what you just saw with your own eyes. That's literally what I do. Like you just saw it. You don't need me to tell you what happened. But, you know, there, there's something to that, you know, the emotion. And I, I've called every game I've ever done, be it, you know, if I did youth soccer. One time I did a youth soccer tournament at Total Soccer because they, you know, they're going to pay me 25 bucks a game, but I could do seven games in a day. So it was worth it. Every single game that I did, their parents were watching, man. That was a World Cup to those parents, dude. So I gave the game its due respect. And I, I didn't think about, oh, I'm here to get 175 bucks for the day. I was like, you know. Katie Thompson, who just scored that goal, this could be her biggest moment of her soccer life that ever happens to her. So I owe the respect of that to, to give it my all to call it. And I'm not saying I did that every second or I do that every second of every call because I'm, I'm, I'm a human. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a robot. But every game I ever do, it's the biggest thing to me, dude, because I could go back to delivering pizzas tomorrow, man. You know, and I don't want to do that. Well, and I, you're really good. So I think you'll, I think you'll, you'll be just fine. So I appreciate you coming in. Absolutely. Man. I always throw it the caveat at the end that I'd love to have you back, but if I was terrifying or if I was too mean, I understand and I'll forgive you. And if you, no, if you man. swear off a return appearance, I'd love to have you back, maybe like closer to NFL season, yeah. kind of circle back to that. Absolutely. Certainly man. NBA season two, which those are pretty close to coinciding, obviously NFL a little bit earlier. The studio is um, close to my house, man. I'll holler at me, dude. I'll be here in 30 minutes. Love it, man. Love it. So that was <laughs> Neil Rule, again, I mean, I, I could go run down the whole list. I mean, you got yeah. you know, the Detroit City FC and Detroit Pistons here and there and Woodward Sports now and Oakland U. And, right. yeah, you're all over the place. And there's a reason why 17 different people in 17 different positions of leadership all said, oh, that guy's good. I want him. Yeah. So uh, credit to you. Uh, it was a pleasure to meet you, man. Finally, a uh, fan of yours for a long time, like I said. And you're welcome back anytime. Thank seriously. you, brother. So thank you to all of you for watching. It was good to be back. We had like two weeks off while we planned that little shindig to put that giant obnoxious mural on the wall. It's beautiful, by the way. All of our guests, especially of the Michigan orientation, will love that it's right outside the studio door. And there's no way to walk in here without walking past a giant mural on the wall 
of Jalen Wojniak's and euthanizing Michigan in 2015. They did a great spoof of that on Twitter, this uh, Michigan fan, where we were all doing the reveal and they're cheering. Devin Bush stomping on Spartan Stadium. It's, <laughs> it, it was great. So, hey, all good fun, man. And uh, while you enjoy your meme videos and your little Photoshops, I'm going to enjoy Paul Bunyan being in the trophy case up there in East Lansing. So thank you to everyone out there. Thank you to Ben Augusta, the great and powerful Oz on the other side of the curtain. Does a great job as always. Thank you to Eric Williamson in his boxers on his couch, enjoying every minute, I'm sure. And again, thank you to our sponsor, Wade Fink, wadefinklaw.com. Check him out. Don't do anything where you have to call him, but if you do, call him. He's the man. This was the Spiro Avenue show with Neil Rule. We'll be back later this week. Can't wait to see you. Hey, I'm rooting for Cade. But I'm with Troy Weaver no matter what. I'm holding his hand. I got your back, Troy. If you're watching, Troy, I don't care who you take. You can take Eric Henry first overall. I'm with you. Justin Spiro, Spiro Avenue Show. We'll see you soon.